What's up, everybody? I'm Bill Bellamy, and I am your host of Top Billing. And we're coming to you live from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And my guest today is none other than comedian actor Tony Rock. We're going to talk about a plethora of things from the slap that was heard around the world to one of his favorite comedic moments with the late, great Patricia O'Neill, the pros and cons of censorship and how family values have impacted his career. It's a fantastic episode. Enjoy. It's only on top billing, baby. Milk is chilling. This is chilling. What more can I say? Top billing. Top What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Bill Bellamy, and welcome to Top Billing, coming to you live from Hollywood, California. This is the new podcast for the culture. It's for the discussion. It's for the movement. This is the place where you're going to sit down, and we're going to get it in. We're going to talk about it, and we're not afraid to say something about it. Today, I have a very, very special guest in the building. Um, this man, I, I have so many wonderful things to say. I, I consider him a, a, a little brother to me. I'm watching him grow in the comedy game, writer, producer, doing it all from, you know, stages in like Caroline's in Broadway, New York, from from there to, you know, the Apollo Theater, from there to countless tours around the country, TV shows, small screens, big screens, think like a man, none other than Ben Stuyvesant, live as what, Tony Rock. Come on, man, Tony, let's walk up! <laughs> I tried to make I tried to make your intro live as hell. Did I, I did I did I did I give you some? Look, new it, got York? The, it got the new show yes. smell. The new show smell. You got I, your you got the, your logo on the yo, headphones. You're doing I, big I, I love I love that you took an opportunity to kick it with oh, me because you me, know man. I've been waiting to get it right. You know where I could do a show where I could just bring my friends on. Um, innovators, creators, whatever, and we could just vibe v- out. Right, right. You know I what I'm saying? It. I and, love it. And, it, and it, it, this today's topic, not only about your career, uh, I want to talk about free of freedom of speech as a Absolutely. comic. Like, Absolutely. Well, I feel like we're under siege right now. Like, there's so many different things that's trying to uh, push us back from being who we are and saying what we want to say. And I'm an advocate for that. You right. know what I mean? Absolutely, I, you have to be. I, I don't want. I don't want us to start cowering down to council culture and being nervous to to be funny and and be edgy on something or have a different take on a on a, on a vibe that people be like, oh, even if they say, oh, okay, you know, I'm cool with that. Right, right. You know. What I'm right. saying now getting to your career this is a thing that I thought about last night that I was like this is crazy because I remember when you first kind of started oh you should absolutely remember when I, I do and I want to say before you get into that I remember hearing stories about you before I even started comedy because remember you hosted the peppermint absolutely and I wasn't doing comedy at the time. Okay. I just was around it because okay. of my brother and yes. I had a love for it. I had listened, you know, I've listened to albums and Richard Pryor was a god to me and George Carlin was, you know, otherworldly. And and uh, I just would listen to albums all the time. And then when comedy started picking up in New York City with the Uptown, right. I would hear the stories about, you know, uh, uh, talent and those guys <laughs> and, you know, all of the OGs. And then I would hear yeah. about the Peppermint. Because you was like right behind us. It, it was almost like if we were seniors, you was coming in no, as a was, friend. No, if you was a senior in high school, I was a senior in junior high school. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember hearing the story, my brother with his comedy friends at the time talking about the Peppermint and how, you know, this guy came through last night and just destroyed and yeah. Charlie Barnett would kill in Washington Square Park. And I was just like, I just want to be a part of this so Yo, bad. And it, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, because you, like you said, you were just a little bit behind my class of guys. Right. But I worked out with your brother all the time. So, like, we were coming up him, uh, Chris Rock, who we're talking about, and uh, Dave Chappelle. Like, uh, let me give you another name that was sort of coming up with us right in that that groove. Uh, uh, Jay Moore. Uh, yeah, we, we were yeah. all, like, kind of, you know, doing 10-minute spots, 15, go uptown, come back downtown, all this crazy stuff. And I remember um, doing a show uh, with Chris one time, and he said, you know my brother funny. I never forget that because I didn't know at that time I didn't know he had so many brothers right. like, and I was like well you got a little brother he was like yeah he, he doing it he coming up and next thing I know it seemed like you just went around all the traffic and just <laughs> no no I did not go I no. sat in traffic was, for a long was, time was it, was it tough for you to kind of break through not being a little bro uh it was because I was trying to be my own man okay I didn't want to just have like a cosign okay you know in comedy uh, if you don't do it the right way, you kind of don't get the credibility. Absolutely. So I never wanted to be the guy that got the cosign. My brother would always say, like, in this business, there are people that are lucky and there are people that are good. Right. Some guy just get lucky and get a show and get all this money and blows up. And okay, that's cool. But the guy that's good might take a little bit longer. Yeah. But everything he got, he could stand he on. He could stand on it. And even his peers and the fan base knows he worked hard for that. Yeah. So that, I always wanted to be that guy. Yeah. Well, you ha you have always been that guy and the, and the thing about it was I'm, I've done a bunch of shows with you and I remember one show when I stood there and you really blew me away like I literally say yo Tony got it like it was crazy because I, I literally you know how sometimes you go back in your room and you kind of let the other comedian do his thing but yeah. I've, I've always been invested in you and I've always liked you and I always felt like you was a little brother to me I said let me see what he what he what he hitting him with and B oh my god I was like yo money is a monster yeah. I was like, <laughs> You know who I have that rapport with? Us? Also, Earthquake. Earthquake's like yeah. the big homie. That's yeah. like, like I you always Quake, had that rapport with you. Like I that. really consider y'all like the big homies. You know yes. what I'm saying? And one night I was, we were on tour somewhere, and, and I just remember Quake looking. I was standing on stage, and you know how you catch a glimpse, mm -hmm. a glimpse to your right, and I saw Quake just standing there looking like a proud, do we, do we like, like, proud like a proud parent. And I was like, man, like I got Quake laughing. Like, listen, this is, this listen, is it means a lot, man, when you when you are proud of someone because we know as OGs that it takes a long time to get a solid act. Right. Like, it right. takes a long time to be a killer. Like some maybe one out of a million might have this great set and he's never done comedy before, but that that's rare. Most cats have pounded the pavement, yeah. traveled, had a bad set, got booed, did whatever, and got to this spot where they're comfortable in their skin. Right. And that's where you at. That's yeah. why you stand apart. You know your brother's got his stuff, but you Tony Rock. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a long time. People don't realize it takes a long time yes. to develop a smashing 20 minutes. It might be 20 minutes to the person that's sitting in the room like, oh, it was 20 minutes. It took a long time to get a 20-minute set to go from kill, 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 kill for 20 minutes. Absolutely. How how many rocks is it, though? Because I'm, I'm 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 nervous that, like, if I ever got in some stuff with you, I'm going to get, it's, it's going to be a lot of rocks. It's 10 of us. It's 10 rocks. It's 10 rocks. You lie. I'm not lying. But that, boy. Seven that, I have seven you, brothers and two sisters. In, out of Brooklyn? Out of Brooklyn, in New a, York. In a, in a little apartment? In a, in a little brownstone <laughs> on Decatur Street in bed now this is this is something that's gonna bug you out. The last time um, I I saw your mom, I was at the Nick game. So it was me, Chris, 
uh, Fat Joe, Tracy Morgan. I hadn't been to a Knicks game. Damn, that's a hell of a section right there. Bro, yo, mom, your mom is such a Knicks fan, right? And she talked trash. So I see what y'all got. (laughs) Your mom is, she knowing what she's talking about, and she going at him. She's, oh, my God. It was so dope to sit on front row with your mom, with Chris, me, and your mom is a Avid basketball fan. Yeah, we are. Uh, me and my siblings are the combination of my mother and my father. <laughs> like my mother with the trash talking. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> she was talking trash. And, and she was a school teacher, so she she stressed the importance of education Absolutely. and reading and being able to articulate. So that's where we get to being able to talk on stage. My dad had the work ethic that was unbelievable. Absolutely. He worked two full-time jobs my whole childhood. He worked 80 hours a week. So put that work ethic with that need to be, you know, educated and learn and that's always a feeding your brain blend, though. and the b- ability to talk, and that's where you get the right. Oh no, man, it was just a wonderful thing, and we all took pictures and everything. And uh, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about because it's just been bothering me about freedom of speech, and you know, we 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 were getting it as comics, we're just getting hit on right, every level right. about what is the line now. It feels like they're trying to go backwards with um, what we can say. Do you do you feel that you have to? sort of adjust your material? I do not. I don't I don't I don't feel like I have to adjust the material. Okay. I think it's like new math. Mm-hmm. So there was this way that everybody did math for a long time and mm-hmm. then new math came along and it's like it's still, still numbers. You just have to format it differently. Right. Oh, I so like now that. because everybody's being so sensitive, it's still jokes. You just gotta write it a little different now yeah. so that you don't offend people that are that that are oversensitive. These people people being oversensitive in my opinion, but you just write it a little different. And, do, and take those people into account because, you know, they are fans and they are paying money. But at the end of the day, we still do this. This is what we do. This so. is what we do. And with the social media aspect of it, do you find that I know I do. I read <laughs> I read my tweet like 18 times before I press it because <laughs> I, I always feel like once you let it ride, it's gone. Yeah, I don't care if yeah. you delete it or you say somebody hacked your account. That's on your that's on your books. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter is like yelling out the window. You don't know who's listening. If you open the window and just yell out something racist, you like hopefully nobody heard it, but somebody heard somebody it. heard it and they locked it. Yeah, and they locked it in, <laughs> on they, and they know where what window it came from. You know, so right. you got to be really careful with the tweets. But I don't put so too much energy into social media, okay? Because there's a lot of people that just are miserable and they want people to be miserable with them. Right, and, they, and no matter what you say, left or right, yeah, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna try to get either either they try to get stuff going, or they just want somebody to bag. They need they want the attention. I like, and I, I I tell my little brothers all the time, like, because they'll you know my little brothers care more, way more about what people say on Instagram. Right, I go, you got to read it for what it is. When people say to me, like Tony Rock, you ain't shit. You know what that says, Tony Rock, you are the shit, and it bothers me. <laughs> That's what it, like, you got to read it for what it is. Like, I like, I like, I like I, today's I like Tuesday. That, though. I like that. I do 20 questions Tuesdays on okay. Twitter every Tuesday. Okay. And 99% of the questions are like the, about stand up and when you first started writing and how do you write a bit. And, and then I get those random, you ain't shit. You just Chris Rock's brother. You ain't you. Your brother put you on. You ain't nobody. And it's like, you got to read it for what it is. Right. You are the shit and your brother's the shit. Yeah. And it and, bothers and me. And thank you for following me. Because yeah, you follow me because I'm yeah, not following you. Fo- I, yeah, listen, you can talk about me all you want because we don't talk about you at all. At all. Hey, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and we're really going to get into this uncomfortable area of people approaching stages and people just really coming in our space. I feel like we need to address that issue. Everything is real on top billing. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Hey, we're here with Top Billing, man. I'm your man, Bill Bellamy, my special guest, Tony Rock. And Tony, we we gonna we gonna definitely touch this this topic. is is one of the hottest topics in the country right now. Is fans approaching the stage? We've seen it. We've seen <laughs> yeah. it at the Oscars. We've seen yeah. it with Dave. Do you feel like Will Smith's move open up the can to make people feel like they can almost cross the third? You, you know what? Wow. I, I, I didn't think so. I, but I heard a few comics say that. I heard Eric Griffin say that, like, you know, once that happened, now people are going to take license to walk to the stage. And I'm like, why would they think they could just walk to the stage because of that? I thought isolated incident. Right. And then what happened with Dave? And right. then, of course, we know some comics that it happened to in the past. Yeah, Steve, Steve Brown, Brown had a yeah. situation, too. So I'm, I I think maybe the Will thing did play into people's minds. Yeah. Like, because now, it, you, know what, you know what Will's thing did? If anything, it made people realize, like, there really is nothing stopping you from going there. Yeah, because it's, it's just Cause stairs. Only, it's audience and it's stage and person. Well, and we always like, felt like we were safe. Like, I always felt like, you know, we were in this, like, beautiful, protected stage area. And the fans, it was, you know, sort of like a, there. And we never crossed lines unless right. you went into the audience. Right, right? but it was but it was an invisible It's like an invisible barrier. force field. And then people, somebody <laughs> realized, like, wait, there really is nothing stopping yeah. you from getting to this guy if you wanted to. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that energy. Um... Personally, you know, when I saw, you know, the uh, Will Smith situation, I just thought that there was no room in the game for that at all. And then I thought about, like, what what does that mean to the culture, you know? Because I'm always thinking black man. All, you gotta, I'm always you thinking black man, right. we representing, we got to be on our A game because one, one right. little misstep and now we that dude. And right? how what we do affects all of us. Period. One uh, uh, people say that all the time. Like, hey, I, I heard Dave Chappelle say this one time that uh, you know, white guy does something, he gets judged based on just being that white guy. Right. Black person does something, it's like, oh, he did this, he set black people back. Yeah, a hundred years. It's unfair, but that's, but that's the, the rule. Reality. That's the yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. I feel we like, all represent each other. It's just the rule. It's not debate. It's not up for debate. Yeah, I feel like um, cause I, I I'm always in these sort of like you know, situations, and I'm sure you are as well, where I always put myself like, if that was me, right? Oh, absolutely. And I always, when I saw the situation, I was like, well, that could have been a situation we had a discussion at the after party. You know, if right. like like if I said a joke and you was like, yo, B, man, I was crazy, whatever. I know that you would say, yo, B, man, I was, you know, I wasn't feeling that, right. blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like we had that kind of rapport. And I feel like there's a lot of comics that have that kind of rapport. Now, do you feel like you think he just got was so embarrassed that he couldn't do that because the after party's forty minutes no, later. No, he wasn't embarrassed. He was. If you, everybody saw the footage, he laughed first. He laughed first. First. So that's not embarrassment, right? He was laughing, and then in the time they cut to my brother and cut back, he was already up walking. So maybe it was the Jada look, right? But I think that I think that slap was the accumulation of him being slapped on other levels. On other levels, right? It was it just yeah. It was you know he's soft. He it, it, he said it himself. He hate he always hated the soft moniker. Right. He's soft. Uh, Jada and keep won't let Tupac die. It's always something about Tupac and right. and his daughter brought up Tupac. And I'm not bringing up family stuff that people don't know. So you know later on, of course, on social media, when this gets out, it'll be all oh, Tony Rock ain't none of your business. This is stuff that everybody knows. That everybody knows. She, common she, knowledge. She commonly she commonly talks about Tupac, her relationship with Tupac. As a married man to this woman, you're like, damn, do I is what I'm doing not Can enough? Can I live? Yeah. Can I live? Right. So it was yeah. an accumulation of 
And maybe my brother said some jokes before about them that, you know, he didn't like. And, you know, it's just. Whoop, it, there it, it, it is. It, it, and here we go. But, but that's what I said before. That's what backstage is for. Yeah. That's what they built backstage that's, for. If there's anything you want to say to somebody, say it back here. And, and then, plus, and plus, I, I feel like, you know, especially amongst comics, I don't know if this is with actors, comics, we all actually feel like we're a fraternity. We are a fraternity. Like, like we treat each other like if you're yeah. a comic, you in this thing. Right. right. And we have respect for your jokes. We have respect for you as as a as a as a, 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 head, a headliner. Like, or if you a, or if you a gorilla, if you a dog, like cats know the cats they get right. busy. Even if you even if you're a comic that I don't care for as a comic, right? I care for you as a person and a person that's willing to be in this thing of ours. Right. You know what I mean? I might let's say, hey, I don't think he, he don't do it for me. He's not funny. I don't think he's funny, but I'm going to give you a great intro. Absolutely. I'm going to say, have a good set. We not come off. I'm like, yo, I might have a tag for you. Yeah. I don't disrespect you to that level because you're in this thing. Yeah, that I, I, I love think so it's, much. A, it's a beautiful thing that we have, man, being comics, man. Uh, and I hope actors feel the way that we feel. It's like we love what we do. We bring so much joy to people. We all have our right. own fans. We all have our own social media platforms. I really don't uh, feel there's any re reason to hate on each other. But um, I hate certain situations. And right. I'm going to give you a situation that's crazy. Like a dude that never does his time. Oh yeah. Like yeah. like like say yeah. for instance, if, if we're on a show, I got twenty, you got twenty, and the dude that's in front of me does forty. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of stuff right there. Cause he's trying to catch a wave to kind of like, you know, sort of uh upstage me, but that's right. but that's impossible. Right. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm a beast with these jokes. I'm a beast. But I've seen it and uh I never forget there was a situation with uh I've never seen DL Hughley upset ever. And this was one time where DL lost his freaking mind because Teddy Carpenter did like 50 minutes. He was only supposed to do 20. Wow. No, see, 50 is disrespectful. <laughs> 50 is disrespectful. If you're supposed to do 20 and you do 50, I I'll be on stage 10 minutes later. Uh, you ain't going to get to the 50. By the time you get to 30, I'm walking on stage. You're you walking on stage. I'm walking on stage. Yeah. We're going to do a duet like Peaches and Herb because... <laughs> You ain't getting fifty if I'm supposed to do. Dude, it was it was one of those moments, right? Because I think DL might be about five seven, but he was so mad he was six five because <laughs> he was he was literally coming out his shoes. <laughs> Don't you ever go on the stage with me? You disrespectful. You have no respect for the craft and people. I mean, he literally read Teddy Carpenter like a, like a, a old coach from a high school game. You never played defense <laughs> in your life, son, and you never make it to the league. You know, <laughs> fifty is disrespectful. Yeah, it, 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 it was. That's fighting. A, That's like a brawl yeah, backstage. Yeah, and I, I hear, I hear some really interesting I stories. About, what I don't about like, you. can I tell you, I don't like the guys that know you're going up next, and they want to have a conversation all of a sudden because they scared. Because they, they know, yeah. So they, they want to kind of like talk you out of your your mindset. No, don't let them do you know that I mean? to you, T. So, no, Rock. I'm always. Hey, I already hey, know you hey, come we strapped. Talk, we got to talk in a minute. We'll talk in a minute, bro. Like you know, I'm going up. We'll talk in a minute, bro. Yo, yo, I got, I got, I got a funny one for you, real quick, because you, you, you gonna get this right. I love going to chocolate Sundays and just pulling up, like just. Oh, I love it. Got, I, love I got, it. I got, I got, I, a, I got a new bid, or you know, and chocolate Sundays for people who are listening, it's a beautiful uh, Sunday night situation been going on forever here in L.A. All the big dogs come through on a Sunday night, do fifteen, do ten, crush and leave. Yeah. And world if famous Laugh Factory. World famous Laugh Factory, and any given night, anybody can pop in. Yes. Any yes. given night is always. Starting studded and i love going in there and popping up and seeing fear like yo you going up yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going up. I'm going to do something. Yeah. Or sometimes I fake them out. Nah, I, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> 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 they don't want to. Do you ever, you ever feel like sometimes yeah. you intimidate cats? No, I, I, come in, I come in and go, hey, I want a little action. <laughs> can I get a little action can tonight? They're like, oh, you you want to do yeah, let me get some action. It's like uh it's almost like basketball basketball to me. It's like I always cast say, yo, B do you or you want to hoop? I always keep my sneakers in the trunk. I'm always ready. Nice. You know nice. what I'm saying? I bring my shoes with me. So when I go to the to the comedy club, to me, it's like it's like going to the gym. It's like and once I hear the sneakers and the sneakers, <laughs> once I hear the sneakers, it's like the jokes. I hear jokes popping. I'm like, let me put my shoes yeah, on, yeah. man. Now um, have but you, that's you know what that's really in the urban rooms. Yeah, where it's like the pop up. You never know who's gonna show up. I remember, and I got it from Patrice, Patrice O'Neill. Uh -huh. Remember Boston Comedy Club? Ugh, that's around where I started. From, Barry Katz, no around doubt. the corner from uh, Cellar. Best Pizza, right next door. Go yes. Ahead. So one night, this is years and years ago. Uh, Patrice O'Neill, may he rest in peace. So uh, we at the Cellar, watching the show. I don't even think I was past at the Cellar at the time. This is how long ago this was. And Patrice goes, "Hey, give me a walk around the corner." And it's a Sunday night. We walking around to the Boston. Line out the door, Patrice walks up, and you know Patrice was the man in New York City, and Talon <laughs> and Rob and, and Drew Fraser, all those cats. Are like Patrice, you want to do something? And he's like, Yeah, I do a little something. And he goes up and levels the building, <laughs> levels the, says good night, walks out the building, and says, Yo, let's go back around the corner. Didn't even stay around to get handshakes or anything. And he goes, I do that every blue moon. I walk around the corner and do a Sunday night at the Boston because Sunday night was a black night for the people that Absolutely. don't know. And he goes, I do that because. When you play the mainstream rooms, the the urban comics think you can't do the urban rooms. Yeah. He says, so I go around the corner every blue moon, and blow their face blow off. that shit up yeah. and show these motherfuckers shit ain't what, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and that to this day, that's why I show up at the Laugh Factory. You every got to. Sunday, I'll be you in the house got like, to. You know what? It's a blue moon. Let me go show and them I shit ain't sweet. And I think only, only, only African-American comedians have to do that because obviously... As you climb these these you know these levels in the game, you're gonna do mainstream rooms. Right. You're gonna do different types of shows, right. but you always want to keep your urban feel. Right. Like that's me. Like I remember when I was on MTV back in the day, I was always nervous because I had so much crossover. Like would they? Would I lose my swag? Like right. my jersey? You know that that sort of that Brooklyn kind of vibe. You know right. where cat. It's like, how is he? Is he a suburban guy? <laughs> you know, for a minute, Cats was always like, "Yo, I think though, I think he grew up in the uh, upstate somewhere." And then they'd see me do stand up, and they'd be like, "Oh no, that man! Oh no, that's that's the pepper." Yeah, but you got to do that if you want to if you want to be successful as mm -hmm. a, as a you know a black act, mm -hmm. you have to cross over to mainstream. It's not enough to sustain you on just staying the urban side. Absolutely. You know, I know the ch the Chitlin circuit is like you know it's lucrative, but. Everybody there kind of was like, I would, I would like. They to would like to get a piece of it because I always yeah. told cats, you can only go gold with black people. You go platinum with everybody. Right, right. You know that's what I'm a, saying? That's a good you know what I mean? That's it's like if you're in the music business, you can't sell a million records just off of black people. Right. We don't consume. We don't consume, consume enough consumers like that. Like right. That. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it, was there ever a moment in your career where you ever wanted to give up? Did oh no, 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 no. Never, never, never. Day, never. I, day I started, it was like, this is it right here. This is it. You're not turning around. No. I, I remember I had my last job that I had before stand-up really took off. I yeah. was working at AIG, a, uh, the the, large, the third largest insurance company in America. They would always tell us that. And uh, I was leaving. I would tell like one of my coworkers, hey, come in two hours early so I can leave. I got a, a set tonight. Okay. And this was bringer shows. This was yeah. open mics. Like, hey, come in Thursday. Cover me for two hours. I got to run and do an open mic. Hey, come in Friday. Cover my shift. I'll cover yours Saturday. And I got to go to Philly and do a room or do the, 
a room in Poughkeepsie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I was yeah. running around the tri-state area. And my boss called me in one day and said, hey, are you making enough money chasing this stupid dream Ugh. that you don't need to work here? And oh it's, it, it felt oh disrespectful. And, it, and then he said, I know exactly he said, this job puts food in your mouth. And for some reason, I guess it was him being a big white guy. It felt racist to me. Right. This job puts food in your mouth. I'm like, well, I'm doing my job. I'm working. And, right. you know, but this ain't the type of food I, I want to yeah, eat. And he goes, uh, is this <laughs> is this enough? Is this make, make, are you making enough money that you don't need to work here? And I'm like, no, but if I don't take a chance, I never will. And he goes, you, you go back to your cubicle and you think about what you want to do because you can't do both. Oh. And it didn't even take five minutes. I was like right back in his office and like, Bro, hey man, Friday yo, was my last day. Yo, you, you, you keep this AIG. Yeah, work. you yeah, Friday you, was my last you day. eat all that. These fries you got over here, I'm about to get some steak. And then look, walked out the building. <laughs> and the building was similar to this. Like you see how the building is here and the street's right there? Okay. So I walked out the front door and kept walking to the train station. And I told myself, if you look back at the building, you end up back in the building. Don't look, don't and look back. And I just back. kept walking ah! to the train station. Six months later, six months later, uh, I was on my first international flight. I had never left the country. No I, way. I had to go get a passport to do the gig. I went to Amsterdam to do a gig. They had like the the, the black ver the Amsterdam version, the European version of Def Jam. What? It was me, Godfrey, Tony Woods, Teddy Smith, all on a plane going to Amsterdam. And I had never left the country. And they want you to sell insurance. Yeah. You wouldn't even be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, that's why I said I'm not turning back. You can't. You just reminded me of, of a story similar to me that happened. I was working, and I'll never forget Reggie McFadden. I don't know if you remember him. Of course, him. Reggie McFadden. Reggie McFadden told me, you ain't a real comedian until this is all you do. Com you Comedy yeah. got to be your yeah. job. He And that hit me so hard because I was hustling, right. working my corporate job, shooting over to New York at night, right. doing Boston Comedy Club, going to the Uptown, trying not to get towed. And Reggie said, you still got that job? Yeah. I see I see you got that little company car out there. And every time he said that to it, yeah. it burned. Yeah. And so I ended up eventually quitting my job. I did the same thing. I didn't look back. I said, I'm going to take a chance on me. And that's what dreams are, are made of everybody yeah. we want to inspire you as well a lot of times people are not going to believe in your dream they don't see your vision you know right. some people don't right. resonate at the same altitude as you absolutely everybody can't see a hundred yards some people can see 10 some people could see a thousand yards ahead so when you're when you're dreaming and you're visualizing your life and you talk to somebody with with limited views i wouldn't really listen to that you feel me yeah this is top billing the number one podcast in America for the culture, for the movement, for the discussion. Uh, I have a, a, a guy that I just think is one of the most incredibly authentic comedians. And I say that with all sincerity because you've never changed. You've always been hungry. You've always yeah. been your own man. You know what I mean? And you always had your own little swag. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's you, you always got a little bump to you. Like, I see, I see you like, yo, what up, Bill? You good? You good? Like, yo. <laughs> yo, look, I was, I'll tell, can I tell a Hollywood story? Yeah, go ahead. I was in a club one night and Suge Knight was in there. No. And he sent a dude over to me and dude comes up like, hey, yo, big homie, want to talk to you? And I'm looking and it's Suge Knight. I'm like, holy shit. Suge Knight wants to talk to me. Right. And I woke up. He goes, yo, man, you funny, bro. I like your style. Yeah, you, he said, yeah. I always see you out. When you got a, I always see you out. You got a bitch or two with you. That's always good. <laughs> and he was like, yo, if you ever need anything, you let me know. And walks away. I'm like, okay. You, hey, that's a cosign. Yeah, yeah. That's a cosign. And we, you know, in this business, we always, as comics, we get, we get to be in like snapshot moments. 
you know, in our careers, whether we are uh, at a speakeasy back in the day when we had uh, on, on, I never forget the first night I met Prince. And I know. Oh, wow. Bro, wow. Though, I don't know if you remember um, House of Blues. House of Blues Which, used to have in the 90s. They what, was sun, the, what, Sunset? Sunset. Yeah, okay, yeah. It was the foundation room. Okay, yeah. And I never forget, like, I walked in the foundation room and I thought he was a wax doll. Cause I was a day. He wouldn't touch his face. I, I thought, cause you know, they'd be having that in uh, House of Blues, they'd be yeah. having mannequins. I thought, I said, that can't be really him. Like, he'd go out. Cause I never knew Prince go anywhere. Right. He was sitting in there with his little, with his boots on, his leg crossed with the little cane and stuff. And he had Apollonia with him. Ooh. I, bro, I damn near blacked out. Cause, you know, Purple Rain was my movie. And I never knew Prince was so cool. He was like really cool. Like I never thought like he was, he was, he's like a New York cool kind of yeah. guy. You know what I'm saying? I just thought he was gonna be so eccentric. He was, and he was like, you want something to eat, man? Wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, I never you met Prince. Get him something to drink, man. Have a seat, man. I think you're doing a wild job on that MTV. He just had some cool stuff about him. I was like, damn, Prince a bad. No wonder he always have a bad chick. Yes, yes. Nah, that's a good one. Meet what about Prince. you? Earlier on the show, you mentioned one of my favorite clubs, Boston Comedy Club. And most people, if you're not, you know, coming up in comedy in the 90s, you would never know. It was one of the best comedy clubs in the village. Yes, yes. And everybody performed there. And we don't have an answer for you when you ask why was it called Boston Comedy Club? And, and it York wasn't City. even we Boston. We don't have an answer for you. Yeah, I think Barry Katz is from Boston. It's Barry, okay, and he just okay, wanted to bring okay. a piece of his city to I us. did. I did Barry, Pat, <laughs> Barry Katz podcast uh, mm -hmm. now maybe three, four years ago now. It was some time ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, People still stop me in the airport, like, "Hey, bro, that podcast, that episode changed my life." Well, you said such, a, you said some things that were so profound. But Barry Katz said something so profound to me that when I saw him earlier today, I said, "Hey, man, I want to make sure I get that point out." He uh, he said to me, uh, he asked me how much time I put into stand up, like just in a day, how many hours are dedicated, and I'm like, you know, twenty hours a day is all stand up, and in a week I dedicate this many hours to just writing and you know, curating new material and reading about this to write about it. And I'm just like, and he's like in a month, how much, how many hours in a month, I'm this many hours in a year, this many hours. And he goes, now, if you put half of that time into your acting, don't you think it would be as, cause he, first, the first question was, was how far is your acting from your standup? And I'm like, my standup's here. Right. I'm being honest. My acting's probably here. Right. And he's like, well, because you put so much more into your standup. Absolutely. If you put as much into your acting or, you know, half as much, don't you think your acting would be, you know, on par? And I left there that day and thought, Shook. damn, Barry Katz is right. And ever since then, I have an acting teacher. Yeah. Yes, sir. I see routinely. Absolutely. Whether I have an audition or not, I go to class. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm writing my material, that's class. When I'm reading a book about, you know, different things, that's my class for stand-up. Absolutely. And then I put the class work in for acting Man, as well. Man, that's, that's, that's profound. Because you're not going to get out of it if you don't put as much into that as well. People always ask me, you know, how do you get so funny? And I always tell them like this, it's like getting up shots. You go, you're never going to outshoot me if right. I'm shooting every day right, right. and you play ball every once in a while, or you, you know, when you out there on a Saturday, you're going to put up maybe a 50 shots, but I do a thousand yeah, in a week. Yeah, so yeah. now my shot, my release, everything is quicker. That's how I feel jokes are too. Yeah, that's my stand-up. I, I get shots of every you day. You get shots up, yeah. But I wasn't getting shots of every day as far as acting was mm -hmm. concerned. So now it's like, Barry was like, when he said that, I'm like, damn, I got to get some shots up. So if if you're, if you're working on your acting, if there was something right now that you would want to do to add to your profile, like, okay, I, I, I got 
Tony what, like Rock a show or, or or whatever? Like whatever. What is one more piece you, right now that you that you claim it? I call it manifestation. Oh no, he's definitely claiming it. We definitely yeah. claiming it. The thing that's people know. The people that have seen me do stand up know. Mm-hmm. That people that know that they know. People that have seen me do acting, they know. Mm-hmm. I just think it's either one of two things that's going to really be the thing that's like okay, now Tony's there. Like Tony's yeah. playing with the big boys. I haven't been in a major motion picture. I've been in. Some, I've been in some uh, independent films that were very funny and did very well. I was I had a scene in Think Like a Man, so I was in the number one movie in the country. But I wasn't. It wasn't your it, movie. It wasn't right? my, my movie for you to go. Hey, he's the guy. So a major motion picture. Okay. On the acting side, and that hour special is going to put me in the stratosphere. Yeah. That hour special yeah. is going to be like, oh yeah. shit, you know, I'm going to get invited to the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need know, Dave's you need, at the table, you're at the table, Chrissy's at the table. We call Chris Chrissy, by the way. Yeah. Chrissy's at the table. Kev. Kev. Cat. Quake just got a seat. Yeah, he just. Quake just got a seat at the table. In. Cat has a table. Yeah. Is, has a seat at the table. Um, Who else had knocked out one out the park? But, that Mike house, Epps. 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 And shout out to Mike Epps for always letting me get down on this tour. Every year he yeah. he's like Shout out rock. to Mike's. We love Mike. Yeah. Indiana Mike, what up? Yeah, so <laughs> that hour special, you'll see them go, hey, put a scoot over. Let's put a chair here for Tony. Tony's coming. It's, it's time coming. To, it's, it's, it's coming. time to talk yeah. about it. It's 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 you you getting your shots up and you've been getting your shots up. Yes. And all you need now is the shot. Yes. And once you get yes. it, all it is 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 um Opportunity met with preparation. Yes, indeed. Yes, now, indeed. Um, this portion of our show is new. It's called All Facts. All Facts. It's All Facts. Facts, Every, B. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you. You know, we the, started that in Brooklyn. Facts. We started Facts in Brooklyn. It, that, started that's in the Brooklyn. phrase. All right. So this is a Brooklyn thing. So real quick, this section of the show is called All Facts. I'm going to bring up a situation. You, oh, Everything you say got to be true. Okay, go. So I heard, this is a mythical story. This is a, a mythical, mythical story. story. <laughs> I've heard this story four to five. <laughs> different ways oh my god tony rock gets into a situation at the laugh factory and this is when everybody realized tony rock got hands is this a true story a relatively true story or or or, or is it is, is it all mythical it's all facts <laughs> it's all facts it's all facts. Now, I'm going to tell you my version that I heard, and then you tell me the truth, okay? So, Because every comic has told a version of this story. So, basically, I don't know if we need to say the comic's name. It's a comic talk. No, no, because we talked. We, we, we became grown men after the fact. Okay, we could have so, been grown men before the fact, but we became grown men after the fact. All right. So, uh, Gerald Kelly. Damn, you just said I wasn't going to say anything? I, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I got to say Gerald Kelly. So, it makes sense. So, Gerald Kelly, comic out of New York. Tony Rock, blah, blah, blah. I hear, um, you know, a cat is talking to you kind of out of pocket a little bit. And you wasn't really feeling it. And uh, take it from there. <laughs> All right. So, All facts. So it actually had started before that night. Okay. But coming to the factory that night, I remember telling my sister, my sister was with me, and I was like, hey, I think it might be a little uh, kind of crazy tonight at the factory. Like, just so you know, like, just, you know, hold me down. She's like, what is my sister goals? She's zero to 100. Right. What, what, who messed with I'm like, just, just be, you know, just be ready. Like, somebody, <laughs> and I get there and, he, and he's there and he's just like talking to the room. Loud though. Loud to me. Like, yo, man, man, these fucking bitch ass niggas up in here. I might smack one of these niggas. And everybody's looking around like, and I know it's directed at me. Right. But I can't prove it. So my sister's like, he not saying your he name. He ain't say your name. Just chill. He, chill not, out. he didn't say your name. Let it go. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And he's like, yeah, these suckers out here, man. He, I, I hate this town. And these these motherfuckers come out here from New York and think they all that when they wasn't shit in New York. And I'm like, 
Two. And she's like, no, he didn't say your name. He didn't say your name. And then it was uh, oh something God. along the lines of like, you know, get on a TV show or something. And I'm like, come on. Like, you know, that's, and she's like, do you? Let, she's let like, it, do you? Let it go. So I just said, hey, homie, if you're talking about me, just say my name and I'll take it the rest of the way. <laughs> Just say my so so everybody else isn't warrant, wondering what's going on. I don't know how many people saw this. It was a bunch of comments. I know a everybody bunch, got everybody's a version like of wondering this. what's going on. So I just go, hey, if it's me, just say me, and then you don't got to worry about nothing else. And then that's when he really ramped up. Like, if, man, if I was talking about you, I'll say you, motherfucker. I ain't scared of you. You what the fuck? And then he said, you want to go outside? Let's get it. And we went outside. Yeah. But listen, let me just say, like, I tell the story because you asked it. I'm not trying to pump no, it. Like no, that. no, 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 no. I, I just wanted that. Cool, everything cool. And now, I, I'm, we're I'm cool not. with Gerald Kelly, but yeah. it, it was just one of those comedic stories that. And it, I know, th listen, this is how, this is how fast that, that night I got home and my brother was in like Miami filming and called me like, yo, you good? <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man, you know, and, I'm and this was, good. And, and this is the thing. We didn't have social media. Right. Know? So right. Cash was talking. Right. Right. It was, it was just one of those things that happened really, really quick. And it, it was the word of mouth. So that's why I said, I heard, I heard it like six different ways. And I said, I got to ask you so yeah, you can yeah, tell yeah, the truth. Yeah, so yeah, all right. it was, it was unfortunate, but we, yeah, we, it, it, came, it, it happens. Came you know what, you know what? It was, a, it's a New York thing. We got through it. Um, Tony, I want to personally thank you for coming on top billing, man. And anytime you pushing your project, if anything, you want to just get off your chest, you want to blow through i'm your man right here on hollywood boulevard you, the studio is yours my welcome brother, my brother, top villain my brother he's officially you. top villain my name is bill bellamy we'll catch you on the next episode it's been real peace milk is chilling this is chilling what more can i say